Welcome to the Misfit Stars Podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. Hi, Shannon. Hello. So good to be on the podcast today. Later on in this episode, we are continuing our, at this point, epic mini-series. <laughs> it's not even a mini-series anymore. It's like I, a I think maxi-series. We've, we've gone beyond mini. It's just a series. Yeah. On sobriety and recovery. Although, you know... In the context, in the larger context of our podcast, it still is kind of mini because we've done what, like 11 or something like that or 10 episodes, episodes on, on sobriety and recovery. But we've done like 900 podcast episodes. No, we, haven't, we have not done 900. That's not true. Yeah. But we've done like 150 or something like that. Probably, yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Pretty uh-huh. good. Yeah. So we can still call it a mini series. Okay. I'm okay with sure. that. Sure. So we're continuing our now confirmed mini-series on sobriety and recovery. And this week we're talking about what it's like now from my perspective. Yeah. It's like the third part of the three-part structure when you do a share. Yeah, yeah, the way that you've structured your share. The classic AA share. What happened? Or No, no, it is. I mean, it really is. Like, okay. you, you get taught this. Remember how we've been talking this entire time about things you get taught in AA and, and passing on the tradition and, you know, doing the, the things the, that people suggest you do. This particular structure of the share isn't necessarily, like, carved and, like, etched in, it's in, etched in stone either. Like, No, it's not. It's not. No. But because I've been to lots of meetings where that's not necessarily, like, the structure. Like, it's just... It's, but it's a great way to organize your thoughts. It's a good way. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, the classic three-part structure is what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. And so we did a whole bunch of time on the, you know, what happened, which was mostly just talking about the steps. And if you are listening to our podcast for the first time today, you should... Uh, Maybe go back and listen for context. We started this mini series on September 22nd, uh, the three weeks prior to this one. Uh, actually, four because like one week uh, we did COVID boosters and it got weird. Uh, <laughs> so you know, the month prior to this one, we were we were talking through the steps at, at great length. You know, um, and now we're getting into what it's like now, which is cool. Uh, first, we would like to invite you, dear listener, to support our work. Uh, we're going to keep this short this week. Um, you can go to misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. Thank you. It would be helpful and you would be putting good things into the world. And if you want to hear a really excellent sort of longer explanation of what the support that we get from our supportive community funds, mm-hmm. listen to last, last week's episode. It was really good. <laughs> We talked for like, I don't know, five or six minutes, like a long time about this. It was this. detailed. It was impassioned. It yeah. was all those good things. I like to say, I like to think eloquent maybe. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think we really did great. I'd like to say that I was very eloquent. I would like to say that. Also, <laughs> handsome. I'll just throw that out there. Uh, it's a podcast. Nobody can see what it looks like. Yeah. I've got a face made for radio. <laughs> Shall we do some announcements? I would love to. Okay. Announcements, announcements, announcements. What do we have? That was an interesting take on the uh-huh. uh, little theme. Thank you. You kind of took it to the fore halfway through. Uh, yeah, it was just It weird. was nice. Uh, personal songs. People, one week left. You can hire Shannon Curtis to write a song for you. I want to really like say that again, just because you might have been like, what? <laughs> Holy shit, what? And you could, like, it's almost too much to understand. You can hire Shannon to write a song for you to give as a gift to a loved one. It's just the best thing. We did the absolute coolest personal song over this last week. It was such a rewarding experience. We did one the week before that. Also so good. 
people hire Shannon to like write a song for a loved one. So what this looks like is like maybe you have in your mind like I want to give this to my partner, my spouse, whatever, uh, for for Christmas. Maybe it's a Christmas present. Maybe it's a holiday present of some sort. And you know, if you engage Shannon to do this, the way it works is like she quick you know finds out first like who the person is, what the situation is that she'll be writing about. Then given that context, she crafts you like a personalized like it's not just something she cuts and pastes. She really sits and thinks about your situation and writes a bunch of questions that she would like to get the answers to to help her understand the situation better. And you just write back over email, hopefully paragraphs, you know, the more vulnerably you share with her, the better the song turns out, generally speaking, because you can really get to the heart of those emotional details. And she just goes through everything you wrote, and she designs, like, she she writes the lyrics and takes a theme of the song and, and all of it based on what you had to say about this person that you care about so much in your life. And it just comes out amazing. Like, she just, Shanna has this amazing way, sorry to talk about you, sugar, <laughs> but she has this amazing way of getting exactly to the truth at the core, at the center of a situation involving emotions between two people. Uh, she, you know, she's done over 90 of these at this point, uh, and they're all amazing. Uh, and it's literally the best gift you can possibly give to somebody because, you know, it, it's relatively easy to find a gift where, like, it expresses to the person that you care about them. Sure. I want your feet to be warm. Here are some socks. Absolutely. Very <laughs> caring, very loving. And it shows you're paying attention. It's wonderful. But can you hum along to it? No. You can't hum along to socks. That's, I mean, you could. I really struggle sometimes to think to, like, when I want to give a gift that's, like, meaningful gift. Like, I, I sometimes struggle. Like, what do I get? What can I get for somebody? And it's oftentimes when I get into the realm of what can I do for or with a person, you know, just mm. like getting beyond the like the consumerism of gift giving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not, and it not being necessarily a thing, but something that is more representative of my feelings toward a person or, or how I want them to feel or just feel encouraged. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the, those are oftentimes, those are always, not oftentimes, they're always the most satisfying gifts to give for me you know yeah and it's and it's it's pretty much impossible to find that at a department store yeah <laughs> or online you know what i mean like it's really like it's it's really hard to find to find that Although, you know, you can find a department store if movies are any indication. True love. Uh, you get a, a meet cute in the perfume department and then, mm -hmm. you, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Man, we, we have been uh, delving back into some 90s rom-coms lately because honestly, sometimes the world is hard and you just need to watch a 90s rom-com. Yeah. You know? We watched While You Were Sleeping last night. <sighs> perfect rom-com It's really 1995. Perfect movie. It's really great. Yeah. You know, 80s music, 90s movies. That's what's up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Personal songs. I would love to do this with you. If this sounds like something that you want to do, time is a ticking. Yeah, it really December is. December 15th is the last day to get your order in for the holiday season this year. Um, and so really message me sooner than later to get the info we about how much it costs and what the process looks like. I'll send that info to you right away and then we will get started on your project. We technically have four songs left at the, at four the time. Four spots left. Four spots left at the time of uh, recording this, but that said there's a very interested party that could be going down to three as quickly as this afternoon. Uh, I mean, fingers crossed, honestly, because <laughs> we love doing these and, yeah. and this is the season for them. So, uh, we will have a last minute crush, I think, probably. That's usually how it goes down. So, 
if you have been thinking now for you know two and a half months, because we started talking about this about two and a half months ago, if you've been thinking for two and a half months, oh, do I want to do, you know, will I, won't I, you know, do I want to do it? Oh, I'm not sure. Really reach out to Shannon. Just send her an email, shannon at misfitstars.com and just get the info and see what you think. Because really, I mean, you got, you got a week. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, that's it. That's for that's it oh, for announcements. We will right? have a, a spotlight, a personal song spotlight coming up in oh, just yeah. a few minutes. Also, good one too. Yeah. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling today, sweetheart? I'm I'm not having the best day, uh, mm. feelings wise. I have been trying to sort through what I'm feeling. Um, I know that I have felt today kind of vulnerable. Like mm. sort of exposed, mm-hmm. um, like a raw nerve a bit. Y- yeah, like no. So when I mean when I mean by that, like I really love I really love our work. Like yes. I really I really love doing this podcast. I really love making music and putting it out in the world. I really love doing like these personal songs with people. Yeah. Sometimes, however, and I'm sure that anyone who does a lot of work with people or creative work can relate to this. Sometimes that leaves me feeling exposed. Like, like to do what I do, I can't just hole up in a little room and have nobody pay attention to me mm. and just just mind my own business and like, you know, like I, I I'm constantly I'm constantly in a position of being exposed, like of being of of having myself and my feelings be made vulnerable to people mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And that's good, right? Like, that's a really good thing. Like, I really, there are so many great things in my life because of that position I've sort of put myself in. Mm -hmm. But also the flip side of that coin is that sometimes that can feel a little sensitive. I can feel a little sensitive, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so I have been sort of like trying to untangle that feeling a little bit today. Just, um... Like it's, it's just, I feel like I want to just crawl into a little hole. There's no, there's no real reason for this. Mm. It's just a cycle that my own feelings kind of go through sometimes. Is it because you've been doing a lot of personal songs lately? Is it something else? I don't know. Mm. I I really don't know. Mm. Um, Maybe it's an accumulation of things. Doing, I love doing personal songs. It's also nerve wracking to send one off and be like, I hope they like it. Like, and so doing that over and over and over again, like that can that can like wear on me, I guess maybe. Um, But when I hear back from them, they're like, this is great. I love it. I can't wait to give it, you know, like that's awesome. But like, it's just a roller coaster of emotions. And I do my best to use my tools to like detach emotionally. But sometimes, sometimes it just, you just feel what you feel, you know? And like, so I, I've been, I have been like, uh, I have been um, just kind of like untangling that today, just feeling, you know, Feeling like what I want is to is to just close the shutters and hide away and you know and not be so exposed in my life. <laughs> but well, good luck. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I feel for you. I understand that yeah. that, that that this is a, all the things that I'm doing with my life are things I've chosen and they're things that I love. Yeah. But I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that it doesn't always feel. Comfortable. Yeah, I get that. So I relate to that. That's where I'm at. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm feeling today. I'm also feeling a bit worried mm-hmm. um, just about our country and the world, really. Like, I, 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 you know, this is not any, this is not a feeling that was triggered by any particular event or anything like that. But I mm. just, you know, and it's not new news. Like, 
but just this sort of, um, I feel like we're, we're on this like descent into authoritarianism and one party rule in our country. And, and, and there are some days where I'm like, we can do something about it. We've got to do something about it. Let's rally. And then there are some days where I'm feeling like, this feels maybe inevitable that like we're going to turn into freaking Hungary or like Putin's Russia mm-hmm. because we've got a party that is so hell bent on power at all costs, a party that is the minority yeah. in this country and who are, who have demonstrated like, you know, last week's Supreme court hearings about the abortion law in Mississippi, you know, that they've demonstrated that, that even on Supreme court, which these people have become just partisan actors on the Supreme court. Yeah. To take, they're willing to take away basic human rights yeah. in their push for this power. And like, I just feel, I, I've been feeling discouraged about that and just kind of worried that like, you know, we just feeling kind of worried. So that's, that's the reason why. And like you asked me earlier, can you do anything about it? And I'm like, well, mostly no. Right. But, you know, I, I feel what I feel. So like I'm expressing that and, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm working, I'm working on, figuring out how to um, detach from the feelings, you know, that I can detach from, that I can't, you know, things that things over which I don't have any power to change, you know, I, I, I know that that's something that I need to continue working on, but like, also I feel worried sometimes. Yeah. And today's one of those days where yeah. it's like, wow, what's, what does the future look like here? Yeah. It's really, it's, it's hard. So that's where I'm at. But at the same time, like, I, and, and I, um, uh, those are both negative feeling feelings that I've just described. I'm also feeling really thankful for other things in my life. You know, like I, I did, I shared a personal song, uh, or sorry, shared, I delivered a personal song to somebody this week and they were stoked on it. And it was like yeah. really, and I feel really thankful for that experience. And I really, you know, I, 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 I feel really grateful for, you know, where I live and, and who I'm married to and like mm. my circle of friends. Like there's lots of things, there's lots of good things too. So it's a very both and kind of experience for me today. Yep. How about you? How are you feeling? Well, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Sure. And I'm sure the people uh, listening got something out of that, you know? Thanks. It's important to share like honestly when we're not feeling amazing, you know, and not just like slough it off. Yeah. Um. How am I feeling? That's a good question. I, I think pretty good, you know? I feel concerned for you, like like, <laughs> like like a good partner does when their person isn't feeling 100% great about everything, sure, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could help. I understand I can't, you know, other than being like extra loving and sweet. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully I've been at least pretty decent about that. Um, yeah, you know, as far as like just me personally concern for you aside I think I'm pretty good uh just in a pretty good place vis-a-vis work right now mostly wrapped up with everything that's on my plate got a little bit more stuff to do today but it's going to involve it's mostly rote work you know uh and it just involves a little bit of learning and figuring out how to do something and it's not going to be super hard um and that's a nice sort of work for where I'm at right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Sort of b- busy work, but with a purpose. Yeah. I feel okay about that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm starting to get, I think, creeping in on the edges just a little bit of that 
holidays are difficult type of feeling. Oh yeah. You know, that that energy's out there in the world for sure. You can just you can feel the temperature rising, the pressure rising just ambiently out there in the world a little bit right now, I mm-hmm. think, you know? Yeah. Um just just little bits. Not a lot, but little bits. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm, you know, I'm I'm an empath, I'm very sensitive to that sort of thing. My antennae are out and they're picking up some little signals, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm trying my best not to take it on board. I imagine as in previous years, I'll have mixed results. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you do your best. Um, it's a good time to remember boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, stuff I can control, stuff I can't control, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in, the, in the can control category, uh, you know, basically me and how I act. And in the can't category, Every other thing in the entire universe. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's good to remember. Yeah. You know? Um, but for the moment today, you know, as of, as of 4.50 p.m. on Tuesday, December 7th, you know, <laughs> feeling all right. Doing all right. Um, open to change. I don't know. We'll see. Good. That's great. I'm glad you're feeling well. Good. Feeling good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Should we fire up the good news machine? Let's. That sounds like it would be helpful for you. Okay. Let's focus on some happy stuff. Great. What's yours? Mine is uh, health science related. Okay. And it is that there is a rapidly growing body of evidence to suggest that both the Moderna and Pfizer boosters dramatically raise antibody levels. Well, that's good news. Well, that's good news. Because mm-hmm. that means that, you know, if someone does catch this thing, but they've been boosted, it will surely be a much easier, quicker, less dramatic illness mm. with hopefully less uh, repercussions long-term, you know? Yeah. So fingers crossed about all of that. Yeah. Really um, just hoping for some good COVID news this winter, honestly. <laughs> no kidding. You know what I mean? Like last winter was really, really hard around the holiday season, especially. Yeah. Uh, we have not had exceptionally bad news yet this holiday season. And it's funny because there's a brand new variant of concern, you know, and mm-hmm. it's potentially very troubling. But there are early indications with that also that while it is much more contagious, it may also be much less severe of an illness that it causes. Yeah. They all, when everybody reports that, they all have the caveat. But yes. we don't know for yes. sure yet. So yes. just wait. And the, and the fact is they're just studying it. Like yeah. they, you know, folks are saying that scientists may not have an idea about what they predict this variant will do for another week or so. Yep. So totally. And probably no real results or, or like hard and fast, like knowledge for probably a couple of weeks after that, even because like the periodicity of this thing is one to two weeks for infection, three to four weeks for results of infection. Right. So, you know, I it's going to take time. I feel so grateful that there are folks out there who are on the case though. Yeah. You know, like, like that's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so sharp and they're so on it and they, so get boostered. If you haven't gotten boosted, go every, anyone in the United States, uh, every adult is is eligible yeah. for a booster now. Make your appointment. Go get it. Go get it. Go do it. Go, go, go to Walmart. Go or get, go, CVS or whatever. Whatever. Like, yeah. Anywhere you're at, there's a booster for you. Yeah. Get it in your arm. Mm-hmm. It will help all of us. Yes. And you know, like seriously, like this is really feeling very present to me right now. Like we've discussed before on this uh, on this podcast, uh, my sister's husband uh, is is fighting cancer right now. Mm-hmm. He could not be more vulnerable to COVID right now. You right. know what I mean? Like if there's an he, infection in his house, like he would maybe 
he like he wouldn't do very well. Right. His I mean he's had his vaccinations. He's been he was boosted before he started his cancer treatment. Yep. So like he's gotten all the protection that he can personally get for himself, but just the fact of cancer treatment itself just reduces your immune response. And like like it, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So there are folks out there in the world who are by no fault of their own, <laughs> they've done all they can to protect themselves. They've been vaccinated, but they're still vulnerable to this, yeah. this disease. And we, the rest of us doing our part uh, by getting up to date on our boosters, our vaccinations, uh, we, can, we can help protect them. We're not just protecting ourselves. Indeed, even if you don't care about yourself, even if you're like young, healthy, statistically not gonna get a bad case of this if you get it, like you're doing it to protect other people. You know what I mean? It's like a case study in empathy, really. Totally. You know, it, we need to have, I think, a greater public imagination when it comes to the idea of empathy, you know, mm -hmm. and how that manifests into our communities and mm -hmm. the people around us. Yeah. There are some things that we do for ourselves. We are, I think, you know, biologically, like genetically speaking, selfishly driven organisms. I mean, most organisms are. That's Darwinism in action, right? You do the things that are going to propagate your genes. <laughs> right. But, you know... Secondarily, I mean that that's like a a, a a limbic system, very very basic response. You know, as intellectual and spiritual beings, you know, there we can have a more evolved response than that. Well, I mean, if you want to talk biology, there's a case to be made that biologically we have evolved to be a social species. Yes, and that's true. Therefore, having d doing actions that benefit the society is actually biologically also an imperative for us, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So like we, we just need to operate with, with a little bit more of that in front of mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're a collective people. Let's act like it. Mm -hmm. Very. I noticed a very interesting linguistic thing between you and me right there, just probably based on where we grew up. What? We each say the same word in a correct way, but differently. Which word is that? Species, which you pronounce species. I did, but I when I heard that word come out of my mouth, I'm like, I've never said that word before like that. So it's, interesting. It's just something I did in the moment. Oh, interesting. I'm riffing. Hey, I like it. Yeah. Linguistically riffing. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh -huh. We're just trying out new pronunciations on the podcast today, folks. <laughs> kind of exciting and avant-garde, don't oh, you yes. think? So exciting. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear my good news? Hell yeah, I want to hear it. What's your good so, news, Shannon? I read last week that uh, in Canada, their House of Commons unanimously voted to ban LGBTQ conversion therapy. Well, that's so encouraging. I mean... Thank you for an example of a functioning government doing something good for people. <laughs> not <laughs> like, just, first of all. Not just beating up I, on its most vulnerable citizens yeah. to score points with bigots. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that Canada's got its own, has its own issues. They're, they're not a perfect no. country. But this was just, it was just really good. Um, it was just really good news. Like there are, you know, L conversion therapy is so cruel. It is so just inhuman <laughs> to try to, fundamentally change the way a person is because you have some bigoted idea that they shouldn't be that way. Like, wow, it is, it is just fundamentally a horrible, a horrible thing. So, you know, and, and folks who have been, who've been uh, convinced that they need conversion therapy or folks that, you know, have been forced into conversion therapy, it's traumatic. It is a, it is an incredibly traumatic experience. Yeah. It should never have existed to begin with. And I'm very glad for the folks in Canada who are in the LGBT community that they have a House of Commons who's voting to get rid of that forever in yeah. their country. It's so good. It's and good it's, news. it's so encouraging. 
that they voted unanimously. Specifically that. Right? It's so great, you know? It shouldn't be encouraging. This should be the baseline. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, true. You know what I mean? But like, Well, when it, you come from the perspective of the United States where things are as screwed up as they are, like people exhibiting f- just basic baseline human decency in a unanimous fashion feels novel. Mm-hmm. That's nothing that would happen here. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? I know. We have an entire class of uh, public official in this country, an entire class of politician that feels that the the best way for them to exist in the world is to single out and specifically target the most vulnerable populations in our country to mobilize the attention of bigots against them to boost their own political causes. It's really sad. It's really to boost their own political power. They're using culture wars to inflame their radical base so that they can remain in power. That's, it's so, it's so so disheartening. Yeah. And then, you know what's also disheartening? It's not disheartening, it's fucking maddening, is when those of us who are not like that kind of raise our hand and go, hey, this is horribly bigoted, LGBTQ people are humans also, and they go, you're doing culture wars. Right. Because <laughs> they, they project. As, That's the, like as though like abusers do. As though, yeah, right. As though defending the rights of people and trying to take away the rights of people are equal and equally valid sides of a no. coin. No. Come on. It's abusive. It's abusive behavior. It is. Um, well, that was supposed to be good news. It is good news. It is good news. In Canada, they are doing good things in terms of um, LGBT rights, such as good. Oh, Canada. Oh, very good. I just wanted to belt out a little tiny riff from their uh, national anthem. That's, I, in, in I didn't know it at all, so thank you for that. Did, do you want to talk about any adventures this last week? Well, we had one adventure, mm-hmm. which is that uh, a neighbor of ours very generously gifted us a pair of their season tickets to our the, the new Seattle hockey team's right. game. Yeah. And we went yesterday, yeah. and we saw our first ever NHL game, and it was awesome. It was very fun. The NHL game was, like, hockey is thrilling to watch live. Constant action. There's a constant chance for there to be scoring, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, soccer is a really, really fun game to watch, but, like, the ball can be down on one end of the field for, like, three minutes at a time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even if it's down there, is there a chance of scoring very often? No, not really, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, I mean, there's a, there's a potential chance of scoring, like, every, you know, 15 to 45 seconds in a, in a hockey match. It's a fast paced game that really like the dynamic changes back and forth a lot it's really cool to watch so that was cool and what also was cool was the brand new arena in which we watched it yeah it is this incredible it's a totally green arena it's It's called called climate pledge arena yeah and it's it's (laughs) the entire arena is uh carbon neutral which is amazing like it doesn't in any of its operations or any of its sourcing for any of the stuff that happens inside of it uh contribute in a negative fashion to the climate crisis. They say it's the most sustainable arena in the world. It is so cool. Yeah, it was neat. And I really appreciated, I would not have gone if this hadn't been the case, but they also have a very strict vaccination policy. Like everybody who walked through those doors had to show proof of vaccination, which yeah. was really nice. And that's something that our state has done for large events like this. We've not been to a large event like this in yeah. a while. Um, I felt really good about being there. Like Me too. when we were walking around the concourse, 
everybody was being really great about masking. Yeah. And to, so, so, so to see that and also to know that everybody there had to be show proof of vaccination just made me feel really okay about being there. You know, it was, it was, it was good. And it was a really, it was, it was a fun event to, to watch and all like the projections they do on the ice in between oh, the periods. And I don't know it's a, a, high a tech. single thing about hockey, but it was really fun to watch. It's a high tech facility. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really tricked out in terms of like lights and sound, like the sound system is really, really good. It's just like the default built-in sound system. It's not even like when a concert brings in their own sound system. It's just the one that's there for stuff like this. The one that's there if you don't bring your own is like as good or better as some arena sound systems that I have mixed concerts on. Like cool. really, really good sounding, Neat. really thrilling amounts of bass, a perfect volume where it was really like it was loud but not fatiguing or tiring or make your ears ring after the fact. Yeah. You know? Just really well dialed in and balanced. Very exciting for me as a sound nerd. The light <laughs> and like projections like you were talking about really exciting and fun and very just just the whole thing felt high mm-hmm. tech and but like not in a dystopian way just in a here's a really cool tricked out like a good venue for a tech city you know what i mean yeah yeah real entertaining to be in it was fun yeah really good time thank you neighbor thank you neighbors very 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 <laughs> generous to gift us that and yeah. what a cool experience it was mm-hmm. go hockey big hockey fan now <laughs> Yeah. Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Uh, we should note, like, so our team, the Kraken, they're an expansion team. Like, they've only been in existence for, like, two months. So they're like a baby yeah, team. They they're, are. Not, they're not good yet. You know, they've got some good players. And at moments, they did things that were clearly really good. There were also a, mo- a number of moments where they did things that even to an untrained observer were like, ooh, that was amateurish. You know what I mean? Okay, what's funny to me, though, is, like, and you didn't do this during the game, but, like, there were so many people around us who were, like, offering their commentary on these professional hockey players performance and I was just every time somebody would be like what are you thinking or you should have done that or what I'm like dude you want to get down on the ice you think you could do better than that <laughs> like these people are professionals for a reason you know what I mean yeah. and like I mean, obviously sports players make mistakes in the middle of play or whatever like they're humans you know mm-hmm. but it was just so funny the, the level of like scrutiny yeah. <laughs> you know that people in the stands were were shouting at these players and it's like Really, you want to go strap on that outfit, the, well, the uniform, and, and dr- see if you could fare better down there? Drunken fans <laughs> shouting their opinions at their sports team is, I don't think, new this year. No, it's not, but I haven't been to a, I haven't been, <laughs> Okay, I haven't been to a major sporting event in a long time, first of all. Secondly, this is a... Hockey is a... At least my experience of last night, hockey seems to be a particularly bro sport. Yeah. In terms of the people that are there watching. You know what I mean? So lots of bros shouting their thoughts about how they, they, the players should have done it better. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Well, what was interesting too, is that clearly a lot of the bros, like the ones surrounding us anyway, Mm -hmm. like I was overhearing like little bits of their conversations. A lot of them, like almost all of them seem to have extensive personal hockey experience. Okay, so... Like having played in college or having played in high school or having some, played at some level. Yes, there were know? some like that. I definitely remember hearing that too. There was this one guy who was... There was a, a group of guys who were sitting to my left. Yes. And they kind of shuffled into different seats during different parts of the game. So you, I... You got different bro experiences. I got different bro experiences. <laughs> um, one of the guys who was in there during the second period sitting next to me, he was very vocal. Mm-hmm. He had lots of things to say about how think people should be doing things better. 
And at one point, the soft-spoken guy next to him, his friend, like I could hear him sort of saying something in a lower voice to this guy. And, and the guy's like, well, you know, I don't know the darn thing about hockey. So, you know, thanks. Thanks for telling me that. You know, like, like his, <laughs> his friend actually was correcting him. Like, you know, well, here's why that had to happen. Or oh you know what gosh, I mean? That's like, amazing. Or here's why they did that. But, but the guy was like, he knew nothing about hockey. So something- he, was, he was like one of the most vocal people. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works, right? <laughs> Something I really loved is despite it being a two-month-old team, how high a percentage of the people there were totally decked out in Kraken gear. I mean, yeah. it was like 80%. Oh, yeah. I, Everyone. I just think that that speaks to this region's support of our sports teams, like just local pride. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. We have an NHL team now. Heck yeah, I'm all in. I don't know a thing about hockey, but I'm all in. I really feel that coming from the Northeast, you know. Boston was the closest city to which we were adjacent when I was a kid, so we rooted for Boston. Yeah. And we were kind of like part of the satellite of like Boston fans. And I mean, it's exactly the same thing there. You root for Boston. That's it. You root for the Bruins, you root for the Celtics, and you root for the Sox. Rooting for the Celtics is like a pretty high value proposition because they always do really well. These days, the Sox do too. But when I was a kid, I mean, the Sox didn't do well at all, literally the entire time I was a kid. But like, like it just makes you root for them harder. Yeah. Like there's that underdog mentality that's yeah. like you band together with your people, you root for the home team. That's you know? right. And the same thing happens here and it's really endearing. I really liked it. Yeah. I felt for uh, the Kraken fans last night though because the team that the Kraken were playing were the Pittsburgh Penguins who are one of the best teams. They won the championship in 2018 and 19. Yeah. And they've been playing together for a very long time. Yes. The championship team is still pretty much intact from those championships. Yeah. Still. So they know what they're doing and they know each other very well and they've been yeah. playing together as a unit for a long time so we got creamed creamed we so we were stuck in a in a poorly functioning food line and we missed the first just like four or five minutes of the game. There's three 18-minute uh, periods, right? So we missed just a small fraction of the game. And by the time we took our seats, it was already 3 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Um, yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. So uh, Shall we do a spotlight? Oh, man, spotlight. Okay. Want to set it up? Personal song spotlight. This is the penultimate personal song spotlight. Whoa. Number 11 of 12. Whoa. Um, and I'm excited to share this one with y'all today. Yeah. This one, I wrote this several years ago for a woman to give to her sister. And the song is called Like You Were There For Me. Uh-huh. Um, and I, when I interviewed this woman about her sister, it's her older sister that she was going to give the song to. And um, she described to me how when they were growing up, they, they had somewhat of a tumultuous upbringing, but that her sister being, I, I think, a, a good number of years older mm-hmm. than her was her rock mm-hmm. during that time. Like She really helped the younger sister um, feel like there was a, a, something steady to hold on to during the turbulent stuff in their childhoods. Um, and... And this woman really credits her sister with with helping her get through that in a way that you know allowed her to to enter into adulthood with some sort of sense of herself and you know a place in the world. Like she, her sister was a really big, really big part of her um, launching into her life. You know, really meaningful. And she also then described how as they got older, because they, they are you know they they are older people now, not older people, that's not the right word, <laughs> decades <laughs> later, but they're, they're grown-ass adults, yeah. you know, um, that there were times when uh, the younger sister maybe noticed that the older sister uh, was having a hard time mm. and she regretted not 
not being there for her in the way that maybe she could have been. Mm-hmm. She wanted to express, that was part of what she wanted to express mm-hmm. in this song specifically. Um, and, and partly because, you know, when you, you know how when you come to rely on somebody as being a, a strong person in your life, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine that they have struggles sometimes yeah. you know oh, what course. I mean yeah. like you identify that person as being such a rock for you that it's hard to it's it's hard to take on board the notion that they might be having a hard time yeah. you know or that they might ever have a hard time Boy, and what so that a was a big lesson you know part of that you know experience as they grew older but then in, in, at the time when we wrote the song there was the the older sister apparently was having you know was walking through some more, more difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. And the younger sister really wanted to take the opportunity to say, look, you were there for me. I'm sorry I haven't been there for you in the past. And I want you to know that I'm there for you now. Mm. And that was kind of like the, the, the message that I think that she wanted to sort of um, just send to her sister. Did you have a thought? Oh, it's just so neat to me that somebody would engage you to express this sentiment in this particular situation via song. You know yeah. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. so so much of the time, I mean, what you write is you know one flavor of kind of like love song or another. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oftentimes from a partner to another partner, husband to a wife, wife to a husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You know, but. You know, these sort of special case ones, you know, uh, we had a spotlight a number of weeks ago where it was like mother to a daughter, yeah. you know, who had mm-hmm. been through some tough st- stuff in high school and had come through it, you know, yeah. want to celebrate that. This one from sister to another sister. There's all these other ways to express caring and love and admiration for somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And I love also using the idea of a song to express a desire to do better. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, not like wrapping up with a neat little bow something that's already happened, but rather almost like opening a box. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a gift that you can open. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a promise for the yeah, future. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, yeah. that's a neat way to... So I want to explain one sort of like visual metaphor that you're going to hear in the song when we play it for you. Um, the the The... The older sister, um, the younger sister told me about how her older sister had for, I think, several years engaged in this um, memorial activity where she lives. The older sister lives in Maine, um, where in memory of, uh, of, I think, military folks who had lost their lives in service of the country, they, this group of people would um, carry a rock from sea level to this peak in Maine looking out over, I don't know if it looks out over the ocean or whatever, but like they would literally put this rock in a backpack and hike up a mountain in memory of these fallen soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they would like leave the rocks at the top of the mountain, you know. Um, and so the younger sister had told me this is something that the older sister had done. It wasn't, it was kind of an aside. It was was her sort of like telling me just about the kind of person her older sister is, you know? But it it sort of captured my imagination and sort of became the sort of like metaphorical landscape for this song, if Mm. you will. You'll hear it when you listen to the chorus. So I just wanted to break down where that came from and why this particular metaphor would be so significant to these two women specifically. Oh yeah, well that's great. Yeah. So, should we play it? Yeah. Okay.
I'd be safe among the crashing waves, cause she was strong when all else was frayed. I didn't know that stones could break on the inside, but now I'm old enough to say. Very emotional. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I think that, I, I know that both of the sisters love it. I looked for my email chain with the person and I couldn't find it to, to share with you what 
she said to me after I delivered the song, but um, I do remember that she that she was really pleased with it and that her sister was too. So, yeah, well, of see. course. I mean, how could you not be? Yeah. Total, total side note, but like, so when we make these to send to people, Sam always goes looking for like a picture of the two people involved, like the person from whom the song is and the person for whom the song is. Tries to find a picture of them together, like on their Facebook or something, just to make that be like the picture on the MP3, like the, the graphic. And the graphic for this one is just a picture of the two sisters side by side and, and they're both smiling and their smiles are so identical. They look like they've been Photoshopped. It is you, so sweet. Yeah, it was really sweet. Oh, I love it. Hey, yeah. by the way, this is not personal song related. So do you want to say anything more about this personal song? Uh, no, that's it. If you'd like me to do a personal song for you, I've got four spots left this season and you have until December 15th to get your order in. So send me an email, shannon at misfitstars.com and I will send you the information about how much it costs and how it works and how we're going to make a song for you that'll be your best gift ever. Yeah. And it's important to note too that like you're not committing to anything by asking for more info. You're just getting more info. That's right. So don't be intimidated. Like if you're just curious, just reach out. So the thing that I realized is that we had a piece of uh, good news that we completely forgot to share. Oh. Which is that you currently have a minor radio hit in Oregon. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So, the people, this is really exciting news. We just heard from uh, this guy who, uh, his name is Boomer. He is an old, old co-worker of Shannon's when she used to work in radio back in the early 2000s in Sacramento. He mm-hmm. worked there, too, on the same morning show. He and his wife now own a radio station in, uh, in coastal Oregon, in Astoria. Mm-hmm. And they, over this last summer, you might remember, were playing One Thread a whole bunch. Like, it kind of became like a minor hit there, you know? And they have started playing Breaking Ground off of 2021. 101 mm-hmm. and he just sent us a screenshot this morning of like they have a tracker app where like these days listeners with, can up, upvote yeah it's songs. like reddit these days with radio stations in the apps you can like hit plus or minus for a song if you like it or don't like it you know mm-hmm. and shannon is currently number four in climbing in, in terms ter- of like they're the the most voted for yes yeah which is really cool because like it means that somebody has to actively be like, I like this enough, I want to like yeah. go to the app and click on it. It's really cool. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah. And it's a it's a brand new arrival on these charts. We're feeling really optimistic. I asked him how this works. Like, does it mean it's going to get more plays? And basically, it's like a cycle, right? So this one kind of is like it's rising, right? <laughs> it's it's in the new category. So in terms of uh, categories, it's sort of like with high school sports where there's like senior varsity, JVA, and JVB. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's like like A, B, and new. So breaking ground is currently new, which is like junior varsity B. Freshman class. That's right. Freshman <laughs> class, junior varsity. It's like our nephew in soccer right now, you know? Um, and Or in basketball. He's amazing at soccer. Basketball, he's J, uh, JVB. Anyway, I digress. Point being, Shannon's just like laughing at me with my digressions <laughs> over here, and that's reasonable. I can take that. You can't see... I rolls on the podcast. No, no, it's true. It's the one downside of a podcast. You can't see how much Shannon rolls her eyes at me while we're recording. Yeah. So, so it's a new, it's in the new category, but stuff cycles out of B, stuff cycles up from A, stuff, it tends to churn. You know what I mean? Mm. And so the basic hope here is that it will rise from new into B, at which point it'll start getting a lot more plays. Right now, cool. right now it's getting five plays every two days. I don't know how they do that. Like they play half the song like right before midnight I don't know how that works two or three plays a day I think is what that means I think that is what that means yeah <laughs> it was a weird way to say it though you know what I mean um very interesting to me 
And so, you know, hopefully if it moves up to B, it'll start getting a bunch more. I don't know how many really that is. It's, it's just, it's exciting. Fingers crossed for this, you know. Uh, in normal times, we would be trying to schedule like a small theater show in Astoria, but it's not normal times. I don't, the, I don't know what to do about this. Just say yay. Just say yay, really. <laughs> that's it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how about we take a little break? Okay. And maybe when we get back from break, we will dive back into our uh, ongoing Sobriety miniseries. Sounds good. All right, back in a sec. out of you over these last 30 <laughs> seconds. Really, thinking about you a lot. Really glad to be back. Back here with you. So part three of your, of your share. Part three. Part two was so long. It took like a month. It was like part really two good. A to B to yeah. C to D and to E. But you have structured your share as a like what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. Yeah. And so you're into the what it's like now. So you're going to tell us like what, what your life is like as a person in recovery? Is that yeah, what you're doing? You know, it's... How have things changed? Okay. Really? You know, that's that's the focus. Yeah. Because that's why you do it, right? Because you want things to change. Because things yeah. weren't good. Right. You figured out that things weren't good, that things were not going as well for you as they could be. Yeah. And you wanted to improve them, you mm-hmm. know? And so ideally the goal is improvement. Right. You know, I mean, at baseline, like I really want to kind of be clear about that, like to start with, like there's a reason we do this. It's not just like random or abstract, you know what I mean? Right. It's because we feel like we could have a more like, good quality of life. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. You know? I mean, on a fundamental level, you're not drinking anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's like a, the, the most like outward mm-hmm. thing that's changed, but there's so much more. I yeah, imagine. there is. Yeah. Although that, it's, actually, it's really good that you said that because it's like so easy to get re- immediately down into the weeds, yeah. the, the more rarefied air of long-term recovery, you know? Yeah. I haven't had a drink since, uh, since June 19th, 2004. Wow. Yeah. That's so freaking long. Yeah. It's really wild That's to think great. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a distant memory. I mean, remember 2004? Of course you don't. Nobody does, mm-hmm. you know? But that's like the last time I had a drink or a drug. It's really, really weird. Do uh, you ever feel, and forgive me if I'm veering off of no, your you script here. No, you go. But do you ever feel like, oh man, I really could use a drink or man, no. I really want a drink? no. No, I just, that that hasn't been part of my framework. Uh, Has that ever been a part of your sobriety? In very, very early sobriety, it was still an instinct for sure. I was still in the process of rewiring how I thought about things and how I dealt with situations. Uh-huh. And you know how mental pathways are. Like they get worn down like pads in the grass, like animal trails yeah. in the woods or whatever, you yeah. know? And it takes a while, you know, if for those things to grow over and for new pathways to kind of become the dominant ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for, for sure, for the first, you know, X number of days, months, I don't know even at this point anymore. Mm-hmm. I for sure had those impulses. Like it's just what is where your brain goes. You know, mm-hmm. your brain goes the shortest distance first, <laughs> yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I rewired it and I haven't had that sort of impulse for, I mean, I'm imagining probably 16, 16 and a half years, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that there were definitely like things, you know, at first, you know, in my brain where I was like, you know, I, I need to numb out. Yeah. You know, because uh-huh. because numbing out is the only way I knew how to deal with stuff. Yeah. But I very, very quickly learned these 
other much healthier ways of dealing with- <laughs> Healthier ways to numb out? No, just kidding. Healthier ways to numb out, yeah, right? <laughs> no, healthier ways to deal with the feelings that ways you want to numb out. Yes, that's exactly it. And honestly, there are healthy ways to numb out. Exercise is a great one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like runner's high is real. I feel great on the treadmill. I get this kind of like really zen-like feeling after a few minutes there where like, you know, you start getting into that faster breathing thing and like time seems to flatten out a little bit and like your vision tends but to kind of get more linear. I would argue that you're not numbing out. That's not That's True. not it. Numbing out is like, I, I don't like these feelings. I need to shut them off now. And like, mm-hmm. honestly, running can be something that you're doing to work out those feelings. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you're, yes. you're changing the script yeah, in true. your brain, you know? So you're not, you're not just trying to shove something down. Yeah. You know, I think I mean, that's I right. That said, probably there are some people for whom exercise can be an unhealthiest obsession and be that numbing out in an unhealthy way. That can I, also be the case. I know people like that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely true. And it's interesting too, because like I, you and I have noted, we, you and I have observed that there are regions of the country where people's like whole cultures, whole su- communities substitute sports or athletic stuff for healthy emotional engagement. But, yeah. I think of culturally like- Culturally more, it's more acceptable to do that. Yeah. But there are like, but there are, you know, the not drinking as a way to numb out is a very outward and obvious thing, right? Like, like there's, it's, it's an activity that you're going to do or not do. And if you're doing it, it's obvious you're drinking again. You're not sober. You know what yeah. I mean? But there are so many other things you know, and I'm speaking from my, my own experience as a codependent, there's not this, there aren't these outward signals for me as a codependent that I'm back in bad, in my bad and unhealthy behavior. You know what I mean? Like it, like it's, 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 it's so much more nuanced. It's so much more subtle, which requires, you know, like, like, you know, if you're drinking or not, right. Real binary. But, but you have to, it requires some real, introspection and and ruthless honesty with yourself to know if you're trying to control a situation by manipulating another person's feelings to get what you need you know what i mean like yeah. like you, you it, it, and and there are so many other things you know just all the other i'm sure so many other things on your list of what has changed will fit under this category of like stuff that you know maybe is not so binary I'm drinking or I'm not drinking. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot more nuanced and it requires a lot more honesty with yourself to, to get clear on whether you're engaging in healthy or unhealthy behavior. If whether you're engaging in sober or unsober behavior. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Quality of life type of stuff, you know? Yeah. Quality of like your internal life. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, the first thing I really want to lean on here is the idea that sobriety is an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. It's not like flipping a switch. Right. You know? Uh, it's not like you stop drinking and everything that made you want to drink is better. It's right. just, it's not the case. <laughs> Stopping drinking is a necessary precursor mm. to fixing the rest of this stuff. Right. Like you can't keep doing the symptomatic behavior right. and expect the underlying stuff to have any chance of getting better. Like you can't be doing work on the underlying stuff, but then also still doing the symptomatic behavior. There's a fundamental conflict there. I have for sure seen people who have tried to do that, you know? Like I'm the, that, the classic thing is I'm going to moderate my drinking and go to therapy. Right. It yeah. doesn't really work out. You know, yeah, I imagine for some people who maybe aren't actually alcoholics, it maybe does work out. Yeah, maybe. You know, like, maybe. Th- but it, everyone's situation is unique to them. Yeah. 
It's yeah. important to note that. Yeah, but it, but but if someone's <laughs> actually an alcoholic or yeah. you know, like then yeah, probably that's not going to work. Yeah, and a lot of people have to go through a series of trying things their own way to. Man, I was gonna. I was you know gonna what I mean? Talk about that. Yeah, I'm sorry for for jumping the gun. Here's the thing. Like, I have a script. I have notes that I took about what I want to touch on. Shannon doesn't have those notes. You don't have to apologize okay. anymore <laughs> for you. things that you're saying and second guessing whether they may or may not be on my list. Okay, you can just say things. Okay, and I will definitely Noted. integrate it into the flow of what I had planned Excellent. to talk about. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah. great, great, great. Uh, you know, when I got sober, my first instinct absolutely was to do some things the way that they were suggested to me and some things my way. Uh-huh. I think it's a really, really natural experience because people who end up in recovery have control issues. <laughs> yeah. That is the common thing that every single one of us Shannon has. Shannon raises hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's the one thing that all of us have in common. Yeah. And so, of course part of manifesting control issues in your life is that you're going to be reluctant to change. You're going to be reluctant to let go of the way that you think things should be done. Yeah. And you're going to be slower than the average bear, maybe, to really take <laughs> advice and really take it on board. Well, except for in the program, all of us are the slower than average, so that makes us average. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's true. No, you know, you get my point. It's something we all share. Yeah. Uh, you know, my first couple years of sobriety were, I mean, like, I wasn't drinking. And yeah. that was great. And I had immediately gotten a sponsor, and I had immediately worked the steps, which means that I had mm-hmm. unburdened myself of an absolute ton of stuff that I had been carrying around that gave me shame, mm-hmm. that gave me stress, all the stuff that I had, you know, self-medicated and numbed out over for the previous 15 years, Yeah, you know? But, like, still, I had tons of, like, just learned behaviors, ways of interacting with other humans, ways yeah. of thinking about things, you know, just, like, default pathways that were just, like... Cow paths. Cow paths in my brain, yeah. <laughs> you know? That I really had to... Uh, it took a much longer period of time to get rid of. Yeah. You know, Uh, like it's funny. So I I have every single email I've ever sent saved and <laughs> well it's just it's just it's just how my email is set up you know what i mean like all my saved stuff goes and all my sent stuff goes into a saved folder and it just gets saved which yeah. means that i can look back on interactions that i had with people to the very beginning of my sobriety you know Whoa, uh-huh. uh, well you know not the first like year because i had a yahoo plus account but then that like i, I switched over to my own domain oh. and, like since about 2005 okay. early 2005 so mm-hmm. half a year into my sobriety i can like i can go back and sometimes when i'm searching on a work thing to mm-hmm. go back for reference, you know, to be like, oh, who was this contact? Who who did I used to work with at this record label? That kind of thing. Yeah. I'll go back and I'll be reading old stuff. I read interaction, like things that I sent to artists I was working with, you know, or their management mm. or people like that. And I'm just like fucking cringe. Oh, really? I cringe. Like I have given my, I, it's okay. It's in the past. I've made amends. I, I, I do better now. I have learned different ways of doing it. But man, I look at stuff that like I was doing like, you know, two, two and a half, three years into my sobriety. And I'm like, I was was not fully sober yet. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't drinking. I was, I was for sure abstinent. I was a hundred percent abstinent. Yeah. 
But in terms of like sobriety, like it's not like flipping a switch. It's like you ramp up and you get better at it. Yeah. I'm still getting better at it. You right, know? right. You and I were talking about this over breakfast this very morning. Like I think it took me a full decade into my sobriety before I really mm. sort of reached the next level in terms of emotional sobriety. Wow. You know, uh-huh. in yeah. terms of like not being as reactive, not being as quick to get angry, not having as strong of a temper, mm. you know, not holding on to things and like nursing them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like we try not to nurture grudges. Resentment is like an acid resentment. You know, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a acid that eats away at the vessel containing it. Yeah. Right. Alternately phrased as resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Right. You know? Yeah, we it mentioned just, those last week. We yeah. did. And just sits inside of you and makes you feel like shit. Yeah. The person to whom you're feeling resentful doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's just your own fucked up internal journey. Yeah. But I was still doing stuff like that. I mean, a, a solid decade into my sobriety. Like I was doing way, way, way less. Mm. But there was a certain amount of that that I had just not really done the hard work of getting in there, figuring out the root of and eradicating. Mm-hmm. I eventually did do it, but mm-hmm. it took me a really, really long time. Like I started going to this really, really great uh, men's meeting, you remember, down in LA, yeah. right around that time period, you yeah. know, like 2012, 2013, you know? Yeah. And I was still dealing with some anger issues even in our relationship at the time. Like there mm-hmm. would just be times when I would be like a dark little cloud and very hard to communicate with around the house. You remember? I do. It was really hard. It was hard for me, you know, but I just, I, I had sort of, I'd, I'd been on tour a lot. It was hard for me to have like a regular home group. But like in, in after 2010, I stopped touring and I was able mm-hmm. to really recommit to my program. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of stuff from those guys in that group. It was yeah. a bunch of guys with like much longer term sobriety, you know, mm-hmm. um, which at that time was like, you know, five plus years, yeah. you know? And now a whole bunch of us, I'm on like this gratitude text thread with a bunch yeah. of those same guys and we all have like, you know, 15 plus years. It's amazing, cool. you know? But like at that time, that was a longer sort of median sobriety than I'd ever really been surrounded by. Mm-hmm. And I just learned things about just hearing these guys talk about like how they dealt with anger and how they dealt with when things didn't go right. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. like they're they're tools for dealing with that. Yeah, it was really really helpful to me, and it really made me level up in my own sobriety. But mm-hmm. I was a decade in. Mm-hmm. I was at that time like a long termer. Mm-hmm. I had long term sobriety. I had ten years. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've got seventeen now. It just seems impossibly long, <laughs> ridiculously long. But ten is long. Yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, hell, two years not drinking is long. Any you know any amount of time without drinking is something that should be celebrated, yeah. should be congratulated. Totally. And in and of itself will just make your life better because at very least you're making clear-headed decisions a lot more of the time yeah you know and that's really really great Mm -hmm. and to anyone who's listening who like maybe is more on the abstinent side of things than the sober side like maybe you haven't drunk in a while maybe you haven't had drinks in a couple of years maybe you haven't really done a lot of meetings maybe you haven't gotten a sponsor and done the work yet you know what I mean? That's okay. Like mm-hmm. you're going to get to it in the time it takes you to get to it. Right. Everyone's journey is different. I did the work immediately because I don't know. I just had this weird blip, this weird like flash in my brain where it's like everything I've been doing is not working. I should just not do anything. I think I and listen to other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny because I very quickly did some sobriety and was like, okay, I've got this figured out. I'm going to give a pass to the rest of this stuff. And then I like, it took me like eight more years to like do a lot more of the deeper learning Mm. that I probably could have done much earlier Mm. if I hadn't been so stubborn, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, people who get into recovery, a lot of us are really, really stubborn. It's that whole control freak thing. So like, I get it, you know? And I really want to be encouraging of anyone who's listening, who's kind of in that liminal space. Maybe you've stopped drinking and you're feeling 
a lot of the benefits of that, but you haven't yet done the work, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I just want to say to you, if you're that person, like, that's okay. Yeah, That's totally. okay. Like, I'm celebrating you. I'm celebrating your absence, mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I wish for you sobriety. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, but like, it doesn't, you don't have to feel bad about well, yourself if you did, if your journey's different than someone else's. Can I say that like, I celebrate my abstinence from codependency, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. make a parallel, but I wish for my own sobriety. Yeah. Because it's, and, I, yes. and same for you. Same. I celebrate your, your abstinence from alcohol, Jamie, mm -hmm. 17 years, and I wish for your sobriety yeah. because it's a continuing journey, right? Like yeah. you've made, you can, you've been able to see markers along the way where you've made leaps you know, like, yeah. like you can, you can see those, those signposts on your journey. Um, but there's, there's all, like, like we said last week, like we're not ever recovered. No, we're it's recovering. always recovering. Yeah. And the, there's, there's hopefully there, not hopefully there is always more for us. There's always more, more stuff for us to uncover so that, so that we can experience more of the, serenity and the joy and the good things in our lives. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like there's, there's, there's more good stuff waiting for us. The more we stay daily committed to our recovery. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, no, it's really true. And you know, I, it brings to mind. So, you know, again, AA, lots of sayings. <laughs> so there is something. So the, the structure of the meeting is you start with a serenity prayer and you end with a prayer of the speaker's choosing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's often the serenity prayer. Sometimes it's an Our Father, you know, which felt a little cringy, but now that, you know, you get your head around the idea of God and you map it to a different meaning in your brain. And then it's not as cringy. The idea of Father still is like a little bit, puke up in the back of my throat a bit, but you yeah. know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but the very, very last thing at a lot of meetings, no matter what the prayer is that you say, while you're still holding hands, you say, and everyone kind of shakes their hands in time with saying, you say, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Yeah, in Coda we say, and you're worth it, so yes. work it. <laughs> and you're worth it, so work it. That, no, and they'll do that in AA too. Okay. Yeah, it depends yeah. on the meeting. It's really like localized and, and meeting by meeting. You yeah, know? Totally. Um, it's, it's It's touching, A. But, you know, there is a very serious message in there, mm -hmm. which is like, it works if you work it, you know? Mm -hmm. The corollary to that is it doesn't work as well if you don't work it. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, it, and it's a real, it's a reminder. It contained in that little saying is the idea that not drinking is not the work. Right. And right. going to meetings is not the work. Right. Getting a sponsor and working through the steps and unburdening yourself of the stuff inside of you that caused you to need to, to, to self-medicate mm -hmm. or, or to act out in whatever way you were self-numbing. Mm -hmm. That's the work. That's what the work is. When right. they say it works if you work it, that's it. And it's like you were saying, we have a daily reprieve. We don't get sober, right? Mm -hmm. We are sober in any given moment based mm -hmm. on how well we're doing the ongoing work of sobriety. Right. But like we are, we are granted that daily reprieve mm -hmm. contingent upon maintenance of our spiritual condition. Mm. Again, not religious, always just want to say that. <laughs> it just means the spirit, how's your spirit doing? How are you feeling inside, uh -huh. you know? And it, you can maintain that and be doing well and really on top of your stuff, really in tune, really checked in with yourself to where yeah. you're at. Or you can be not. You can be out of touch. You can be disconnected from you, where you're at spiritually mm -hmm. and just flailing around, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I am both of those things constantly. Mm -hmm. How I'm doing on any given day is really just, 
you know, it's how well I've got that dialed in. Like today I feel like I'm pretty dialed in spiritually to my mm-hmm. own spirit, to how mm-hmm. I'm feeling. And so I feel centered and I feel grounded and I feel good. Mm-hmm. I have had days recently where I have not felt that way. And I've really had to consciously be like, okay, checking in with myself, realizing I'm not feeling 100% spiritually grounded, not feeling super sober in this moment. So what can I do about that? Right. You know, and you can do a little inventory. You can do that 10, 11, 12, you know, mm-hmm. you can do that personal inventory. You can do that prayer and meditation, you know, mm-hmm. AKA asking the question of yourself and waiting for the answer that right. comes up inside you, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's stuff you can do, but like, it's an ongoing process Mm. for all of us, Mm -hmm. you know? So for, for, for people hearing this who have long-term sobriety, keep at it. Don't get cocky. Yeah. Right. You know? And for people listening to this who are earlier on in your path Mm. or maybe not even on the path yet, but thinking about it, Mm -hmm. just know that your journey is going to be unique to you. You know, it's going to be some combination of how willing you are Mm. to let go of your ideas about how to do things and Mm. do the work as suggested to you by other people Mm -hmm. and guided by other people. Right. It's going to be a balance of that, uh, your, your willingness and also your ability. Right. Mm. Because like sometimes we have blocks inside of us that present literal inabilities to do this work. And sometimes we have to conquer those first, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting thinking about this, like coming from somebody, for me, who comes from a religious background, you know, um, when when we were, when I was taught about the way to live, Mm -hmm. it was because it was handed down from on high and this was the truth. This is the way, right? And if you strayed from that, then, you know, watch out. Um, And I think that it, it it is... sometimes tempting, especially for folks who have found something that's worked for them and transformed their lives to treat that thing in that kind of dogmatic kind of way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the 12 steps is not dogma. It's no. not, it didn't come down from on high. It's no. not magical no. in that way. It's just a set of steps that some people worked out that they found out worked and they passed that on to others who passed it on to others who passed it on to others and here we are. Like it's just something that that has been proven to work. Yeah. It's not, it's not holy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, so it's not like, you know, if someone decides, Hey, 12 steps aren't for me, it's not like, okay, you're doomed. You're going to hell. You know what I mean? You're not going to hell if you don't do the 12 steps. It's not like that. It's different than that. It's just like we said in last week's episode, when we talk about our experience with 12 steps, it's us dropping keys. It's us saying like, look, here's the key that opened my cage maybe it will help you. Yeah. And if you want it, pick it up. If not, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's, it, I think that that's, it's, an, it's important to recognize. This is just people who had a, a positive experience, sharing their experience, passing it on and others picking that up and carrying it forward. And it's really it, important to note also that like there's no greater ulterior motive to this oral tradition of passing on the steps. Like, if you think about why religion was invented, it was for coercive control of populations. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was for political power. For organized religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and so it's very clear to see when people are trying in a coercive way Mm -hmm. to make you participate in an organized religion in the way they would like you to, it's because it's their way of exerting a political and Mm -hmm. societal level of control and power Mm -hmm. over you as part of a population. Right. You know, right. uh, but there's no power structure. There's in no power. Steps. That's it. There's no financial motive in AA. Every group is self-supporting based on donations. Uh, anything 
extra that comes in just gets typically spent on like coffee and snacks. <laughs> but there's not usually much extra because it's a bunch of, yeah. you know, like when you're first getting sober, you often don't have a lot of money. Like sure. it's a question of do you have a greasy crumpled $1 bill to put in the thing or maybe not today. Yeah. There's I was 50-50. No, there's no hierarchy. There's yep. no, everybody just volunteers and everybody's equal and, yep. you know, it, Obviously, there are people who have been in longer and who know more and who can act as sponsors, you know, where like there's and there's various, you know, levels of experience that they can open up, you know, volunteer positions that maybe aren't available to like new newcomers, yeah. you know, but, but that said, there's no hierarchy, there's no power structure, there's no, there's no, like, like you said, ulterior motive. It's mm-hmm. just a, 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 a thing that's here for people who want to take advantage of it to get better for themselves. Like we all self-select. Yeah. You know, there's no coercion. Yeah. And that it has been passed down in this relatively structureless oral tradition for very close to a hundred years. Yeah. I think really is the best possible advertisement you could have for its efficacy. Totally. Right. Like my first instinct when I came in the rooms, like I said, was to do some things the way they were suggested to me and some things my way, right? right? As I got deeper into recovery, I slowly learned that there was a reason that the people who passed this on to me made the suggestions to me that they did. Mm. And it's because this stuff has been proven to work. Right. <laughs> and that's why. Right, right. And it's not that they had an ulterior motive. It's not like it's not like they have some sinister, like reason that they want me to be sober that they're not telling you know what I mean (laughs) it's just because it's something they found that against all odds liberated them from what they thought was a lifetime curse yeah you know Mm -hmm. and when you find something that rescues you from something you thought was going to kill you Mm. uh you know some 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 people when they find something like that are real eager to pass it on because they want relief for others you know, in the same way that they got it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, I guess what I would say about what it's like now is that things are easier. Mm. Life mm. is easier. My life was really, really hard in a lot of ways before I got sober. Mm-hmm. You know, it was emotionally hard. It mm-hmm. was just hard to exist in my skin. I felt really uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, almost all of the time, mm-hmm. uh, except for when I was drinking. Which, which was increasing amounts of the day as I got worse because I was so uncomfortable the other parts of the time. Mm. Until it got to the point, like the last year or so of my sobriety, I was literally drinking. drinking yeah, like I was drinking all the time. Mm. If I was awake, I was drinking. Right. Because I was too uncomfortable not to. Mm. That was just the bottom line. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So now how do you feel in your own skin? fine you know mm-hmm. nor I, I guess I feel maybe more like what normal people feel like like I wouldn't know and also what's a normal person <laughs> yeah but I know that there are some people I have observed that there are some people who just seem to do okay with life you know they have normal ups and downs I feel like I have normal ups and downs like life happens life doesn't stop happening to you because you get sober mm-hmm. it's not like you just like float on a cloud above everything right. and never have issues of yeah. course that's, that's stupid you know like stuff just happens life happens yeah everything is out of my control you know, mm. um, but you know, when stuff happens in a good way, I can deal with it mm. and not like, not like overly magnify it and totemize it mm. and like obsess about it. Mm. And when bad things happen, also I don't have to totemize them and obsess about them. Mm. I can just take everything as it comes, parse it out, deal with it in an appropriate way, mm-hmm. hopefully as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. and then just kind of move on. Mm. You know, it's interesting, right? Like, Everyone knows, like, when you think about, like, what it is to be an alcoholic, well, you drink, you drink 
over the bad times. When you're an alcoholic, you also drink over the good times because mm. you don't have any framework for dealing with positivity in a healthy way. Because right. you don't think you deserve it. Right. And so you also have to kind of numb that out too. Oh yeah, and foreboding joy is a real thing too, right? Like if something good happens... Our brains mm-hmm. tell us, "Oh, well, we now we now need to stop start worrying about when this good things gets this good thing gets taken away, Ugh. or when the next bad thing happens to pay back for this goodness that I'm now experiencing." Yes. <laughs> you know, it's the messed up thinking, but it's you know, that's so how we are. Oh, traumatic, you know, yeah. and like I don't have that kind of baseline level of trauma in my life anymore. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I can engage with life on its own terms, I guess would be a good way to put it, mm-hmm. you know, not try to coerce it or force it or manipulate it into being mm-hmm. something that it isn't. I can just sort of apprehend what's going on mm-hmm. and evaluate it and try to do my best. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's been, that's been a really big deal for me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this like the no drama of a lot of it. Oh man. Yeah. It's really, really good. I have good boundaries now. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a, I, I didn't even understand what boundaries was <laughs> until, you know, honestly, like no one had ever really framed it to me in that way. Yeah. I mean, and that was something like, you don't really talk about boundaries exactly when you work the steps. Like it's sort of implicit in there, obviously, right. you know, very implicit. Like when you make your fourth step list, like the, you know, what the other person do, what'd you do? Okay. Now throw away the list of what the other person did. Cause it's not your fucking business. Yeah. You know, no, it's really just kind of a, a crash course in boundaries without yeah. really using the word it's kind of a word that's been maybe more popularized in more recent times. It yeah. wasn't necessarily around when the 12 steps were first written. Yeah, I you think know? that's right. Um, also in CODA, in codependency, uh, we talk a lot more explicitly about boundaries. Yeah. They're not in the steps, but we there's, it's a big part of, of codependency. Boundaries are like your alcohol. Y- yeah, sure. In CODA. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can do my best and just let go of the results. Yeah. And that is something that, took me like that. I didn't get that in a switch flipped kind of way when I first got sober. Mm. That was definitely one of those things where like, you know, I got lucky with my first few amends, you know, Mm. Uh, like people were receptive and happy to hear from me and that Mm -hmm. was great. I definitely had some amends that didn't go quite as well and I like, they really hurt and it was hard for me not to, not, not to have them hurt. You know, my sponsor at the time was like, look, you got to let it go. You can't control it. And I did my best mm-hmm. and I didn't drink over it. And that was great. But they nod at me for a while, yeah. you know? Uh, and it's funny, like the way I know they nod at me for a while is that like I went back and made a second amends to some of those people, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years in, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where one person was like, Jamie, it's fine. You've already made an amends to me for this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, I've still been resentful for the last eight years. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. resentful, but no, like I'm unsure cheating. of where yeah. I stood. Yeah, okay. Un, you know, like insecure would be a better way to say mm, it than resentful. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Like If I was re- resentful to anyone, it's to myself. Got it. Which, and like, you can totally have resentment to yourself. Yeah. You know, that's something that comes up a lot on like later lists, mm. you know, four step lists. Mm-hmm. Um, you realize that like you have resentments toward yourself over things and then you have to figure out how to make an amends to yourself, which is actually really interesting, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, I, it's an evolving thing. I, these days feel like I'm really pretty good at letting results be what they will be. Mm. But even five years ago, I was less good, I think. Mm. You know, 10 years ago, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just, we're all, it's, uh, it's all a work in progress. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to be perfect at this stuff ever, ever. And sometimes I can backslide. Sometimes I'll be le- less good at some of these like skills and I'll have to really re-up on them. Like, wait, okay, this doesn't feel like I'm dealing with this as well as I did, I, I would have maybe a year ago. What changed? Like, mm. what do I need to do? What do I need to do in inventory? Do I need to, 
address something, mm -hmm. you know? Like it's, stuff comes up inside of me sometimes in hidden ways that I don't like even really consciously know, but it'll like affect how I am using my tools. Yeah. And it's like, okay, shit, I got to go back to basics with the tools again. Yeah. You know? But they're always there and they always work. <laughs> yeah, that that really is a thing about him. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like it's like the it's like the craftsman of tools. Uh, well, really, craftsman is a craftsman of tools. Right. These are the emotional. But they're reliable. Tools. Point yeah. being, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that for me, that part of this is feeling confident, uh, and this is more of a nuanced, next level understanding of uh -huh. uh, letting go of the results. I think for me these days, part of it is feeling confident in the idea that if I do my best and the other party doesn't receive it well. I know that I will be able, if that happens, to respond with grace and humility and a general interest in trying to make the situation better. Mm. Like I have learned through experience that if I do my best and it doesn't work out, I can come back in a way that's not lashing out. Like I don't get threatened by that. I don't, I don't have to mm. respond in anger. I don't have to feel threatened. I don't have to feel insecure. Mm -hmm. And I've come to learn that about myself enough that now I feel resilient and confident going into unfamiliar or potentially fraught situations. Mm. Like I like I don't like I might not know how this is gonna go and mm -hmm. it might not go well, but if it doesn't go well, I'll be able to deal with it and I'll be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And that really is a relatively recent thing for me, probably mm. in the last, you know, six, seven years I would say. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely like one of those things, like one of those skill sets where it was like for sure, I didn't even really pick it up until 10 years in, a mm. solid 10 years into sobriety, mm. you know? Um, I'm a lot healthier. I know that sounds like trivial, but like <laughs> I'm, I'm healthy now. Like when I got sober, I, like I'm, I'm still slender. Do you I'm, mean physically, like I your mean body physically. is healthy? Yes, mm. my body is physically healthier. Yeah. Like I, 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 I am today a slender person, you mm. know? When slender I, doesn't equate <clears throat> to health. No, but I'm, you didn't let me finish. Okay. I'm slender now. Mm -hmm. When I got sober, I was 50 pounds less than I am now. Mm. Oh, so you were just, you were, your drinking had made you sort of emaciated. Yeah. Mm. Really, really, really unhealthy. Just because I was doing a lot of narcotics. Oh, right. And mm -hmm. I wasn't eating very much. Mm -hmm. Mostly because like I couldn't afford to eat, and also I was taking stimulants, which makes you not, which make you not so hungry. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I was just I was really taking care of my body very, very, very badly. Mm -hmm. Like I was both much, 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 much skinnier than I am now, but also like like doughy and soft. Like my face was much softer. Oh, interesting. And puffier yeah. than it is so now. So probably a, way, a good way to say it was that you were malnourished when you were first getting sober. And yeah. now you have, you you take in a healthy amount of food and <laughs> you nourish your body in a proper way. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I exercise. Yeah. And like, I actually have, I have muscle tone now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 just all really good. Like mm. I I won't die from how I'm taking care of my body now, and that's mm. great. It's like a really simple baseline thing, and it improved really 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 quickly as soon as I you know got sober. That was mm. very much like flipping a switch because mm. as soon as I wasn't like taking a bunch of stimulants and poisoning <laughs> myself, like I you know I was just I needed to, I needed to eat and I ate in a healthy way. Right. And also like I had lost my car to to drinking. Mm. And so I was riding my bike everywhere. Mm. And uh you know, so combine those things and, all, and I was very fit all of a sudden. It was great. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the kind of thing that can happen really quickly. And that actually is a really rewarding thing. Mm -hmm. you know, for anyone who's listening to this and you're thinking about uh thinking about taking a sobriety journey, uh one of the, one of the quickest things that will happen is you will look a lot 
better and you will feel a lot better in your own body mm. and that is a tremendous encouragement when mm. it happens you know it's mm -hmm. really really cool mm. and this could just, that just really comes from abstinence you know mm. you don't have to work the steps for that as <laughs> soon as you stop drinking like you'll your body will just feel better mm. and that's really great mm -hmm. um i'm not as impulsive i'm slower to anger mm. uh you know i touched on those earlier but i want to be explicit about them you know um because it feels good mm. it feels good to be that way mm. you know like it can there's there's something intoxicating about righteous anger or when you <laughs> when you, when you feel like you have an excuse to be angry when and you, you can really off. you can really let go yeah. you know and you can feel justified in it but like it's not good it's not healthy right you know it's never healthy it's never ever ever healthy there's always a better way than acting angry mm. you know uh, it took me a long time to realize that but but I do now uh, I'm kinder I'm gentler um, some of these things I think are also parts of aging in sobriety, mm. you know? I think these are things that like, if you get the negative stuff out of your life can naturally happen to you as you age, you mm. know? Mm -hmm. um, but also like I know a bunch of people who are my age who are not kinder, who are not gentler, who are in fact angrier mm. and more uh, like doubled down on toxic ways of thinking, mm. you know, mm. more convinced that they're right. You know how sometimes people's minds get smaller and narrower as they, and they get angrier yeah. as they, and more isolated as they get older. Yeah. Like, and now like we're middle-aged and I see people <laughs> our age, I see people getting close to 50 like I am who are not in a happy and good place in their life. They have not moved in a kinder and gentler, you know, less impulsive, slower to anger direction mm -hmm. in their life. They've moved exactly the opposite way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I feel very grateful that I have figured out a way not to do that because they seem very unhappy, people yeah. like that. They mm -hmm. seem miserable. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be miserable anymore. Mm -hmm. I think there was a part of me when I was younger that sort of embraced being miserable as kind of like the goth, you know, <laughs> like the poetic, you know, you know, reading Milton and swooning kind of <laughs> approach to life. It can feel really romantic when you're in your teenage years or whatever. And you can carry that. I carried that through into my twenties. This yeah. idea that like, there's something, there's something, uh, sexy about suffering. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I don't feel that way these yeah. days. You know, I'm happy. I don't have to suffer as much. Yeah. I don't, I don't not suffer. I'm a human. Right. Humans suffer sometimes, right. you know, but it's okay. I've got a framework for dealing with it in a healthy way that mm -hmm. doesn't make me have to like destroy myself. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. feels great. Uh, an interesting thing that I've found in my sobriety is that I am less inclined to assume I'm right about things hmm. and more inclined to seek out other perspectives. Hmm. And I take direction better, hmm. you know? I don't mean that I am more malleable necessarily. Like I have feelings and thoughts and convictions often strong, mm -hmm. but- uh, you know, I think maybe what it is, I, I feel less threatened and less of a need to control the discussion space around things mm. than I used to. Mm -hmm. I think I used to feel very insecure about how I felt. Yeah. I think I used to feel very threatened by points of view that didn't conform to how I thought people should think, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And these days, maybe it's just that I feel more secure in who I am as a person, mm. uh, but I feel absolutely willing to let people with really bad ideas express those ideas around me. You know what I mean? <laughs> or sometimes they can be good ideas that you just haven't entertained yet. Yes. Yeah. Both things can be true. Like I am more open to learning and listening. Yeah. Sometimes what I hear from somebody reinforces what I thought. Sometimes I hear somebody express a full thought and I'm like, 
Yeah, that's fucking batshit. I'm absolutely not adding that to my vocabulary of ideas. Yeah. In fact, I'm specifically adding the opposite of that because that right. was really stupid. Or, But sometimes I will hear a kernel of something in something someone says where it's like, that is really interesting, you know? And, and I really want to think yeah. about that some. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. I feel like this particular thing that you're mentioning about your experience is fits like in a puzzle piece with my growth and my own experience and in, in, in a unique way in our creative relationship together. How's that? Like, I feel like um, it is easier these days for two reasons for me to, like when we're working on a song together, like you're, I've done pre-production and like recorded the basic stuff for stuff and I'm handing it to you and then you're coming on and doing your additional production and mixing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of ideas flowing, right? You're trying things mm -hmm. or you're pushing things in this direction or that. Um, I feel like these days I am, I feel more able to say what I'm thinking about a particular idea or direction in a way that like I can I can say that more confidently and with less um, barbs in it than maybe I used to because of the work that I'm doing. Like for me, mm. I used to defer, defer, defer all the right. time, right? right? To other people, right. other people's ideas were always better than mine. Of course, I'm I'm less than you know. That's, that's the, the, those are the pathways I had learned. Yeah. So I've learned over the years how to confidently and in a non-manipulative way say what I think. You yeah. know. Yeah. And you in the puzzle piece that fits with that, mm. have become more receptive to an idea that you hadn't yet entertained. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and so like, I think our creative relationship has really um, benefited from us each doing work on uh, in that That's area. So you know what I mean? so interesting. I really agree and resonate with what you're saying here. Yeah. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we're doing the best work of our career. <laughs> you know what I mean? High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High five and a mic funk, but Hell you know, yeah. that was very celebratory. Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> very raucous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with that a lot. Um, it's good. It's neat to see tangible results of this work that we do mm -hmm. on ourselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, like results that we can point to in other areas of our lives. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like, it's not like sobriety just redounds to sobriety's benefit. It redounds to the benefit of every other thing in my life. Oh yeah. You know? no, that's the thing is that like sobriety is about, I think everything in your life. Yeah. The, the, whether you're drinking or not is one really tiny aspect of it. Oh yeah. Abstinence. And like, if you think about like a Venn diagram, abstinence, like sobriety, say, is a is a it's circle a like circle. six inches in diameter, okay. right? Uh -huh. Abstinence is something the size of a dime somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. It's just a little teeny tiny part of it that's contained by sobriety. But sobriety is much bigger than just abstinence. Yeah, abstinence sure. is like the, the kernel. It's like the first little thing. And you can't do any of the rest of sobriety really without it, right? Mm -hmm. But like sobriety is, is just a bigger world. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, that circle you described that's six inches in diameter, diameter, the, yeah. the sobriety, like really th that circle is ever expanding, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we are constantly learning more ways that our lives become bigger mm -hmm. and our, and our sobriety infiltrates new areas of our lives yeah. that make it better. Yeah. <laughs> and we get more peaceful and we get more calm and we get longer range vision about things that used to seem so immediate and, and, and scary. And this is all contingent upon doing the work. Yep. And continuing to do the work. Yeah. yeah. Keep coming back. <laughs> it works if you work it. That's right. 
Yeah. Uh, well, good discussion. Yeah. So I like how your life is now. It's nice to be uh, partnered with somebody who has these attributes and experiences. Well, and you know, you've been with me on mm. almost the entirety of this journey, which is mm. really, really interesting. Mm. Like I, I, got, I got a couple years of work in before I met you. Yeah. You know, I got, I got one year and 11 months and like a couple of weeks in <laughs> before we met, yeah. you know? Um, and, and, you know, I, I was a very, very, very much a work in progress when you and I met, mm-hmm. you know, in the ways that I've been describing in this, in this episode, in this talk, um, you know, but it's cool because like you were too, yeah. you know, so we could grow together, yeah. you know, and we didn't grow at the same rate or pace either. Like one of us would make more advancements and then pull the other one up behind him, you know, yeah. and then the other would reverse, yeah. you know, there were definitely times when you were a little more emotionally mature about things and you kind of helped me and you would be like, you know, I don't know if you're doing this really well. <laughs> I've never said that to I'm, you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah, no, because you're a coda person, you would manipulate me into it. Oh, you wouldn't just say it. That's what I would do <laughs> in my unhealthy state. No, it's it's really challenging to figure out how to detach from your from the outcome of your sobriety. Like yeah. it's not my it's not my sobriety. Your sobriety is your sobriety. Yeah. And mine is mine. Like yeah. the like the the boundary work you know, on a fundamental level exists in this house, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like it is not my job to tell you, I think you're really messing up right now. Like maybe you should do some step work or it's never my job to tell you that kind of stuff. But I have learned how I can be supportive of you when it seems like maybe you're flailing a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not my job to tell you you're flailing, but like I can certainly ask supportive questions and, you know, and be encouraging of you in a healthy way, not in a way that's attempting to do your work for you or to like tell you what to do or to try to control you in any way. But just, you know, like it's, it's, this is ongoing. This is on, this will be ongoing in our marriage forever, Mm -hmm. you know, to figure out how to, to me stay on my side of the street and encourage you on your side of the street from over here. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. You know, right on. What do you think? Yeah. That's Did you a, have more? No, that's it. Yeah. Um, I have like a one, we, we've been on your share for so long that mm. like I've, I, I, we've maybe failed to mention that I had one lingering bit of my share from way back. We were kind of alternating yeah. a, a little mine, a little yours. A little mine. Well, it was kind of like part one, part one, part two, part two, part three, part three. Right. And my part two was so long. Yes. Now this is my part three and now we're going to get to your part three. Great. Exactly. That's, that's the, the frame that I wanted to sort of establish. But really just, I had a, my, my final stuff that I wanted to share was in the area of, um, it's a little bit in like what it's like now, although I shared a lot of that previously, but I, I, I made a list of um, the tool. I oftentimes talk about tools, my tools. I use my tools to deal with whatever. I made a list of what those tools are for me, like what kind of things actually in a practical sense help me on a daily basis to stay in my sobriety. And so that's what I wanted to talk about in my the final part of my personal share. So maybe we'll do that next week. That sounds great to me. Excellent. And then a Christmas episode and then we're on break. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas episode? It's a Misfit Stars Christmas. Uh, Yeah. I don't know that we're, I don't know that we actually have anything for that. No, probably not. But y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Jamie, thank you for sharing all the parts of your story. Yeah. Um, If any of you listening um, have experience with 
any of this, uh, if you've got thoughts that you want to share with us, if you have questions that you have specifically about our stories or our experience or just questions in general about sobriety or, or recovery, um, we would love to hear all of those. Yeah. Um, you can message us, jamie at misfitstars.com, and to clar- Shannon at misfitstars.com. And to clarify, because someone had trouble getting a message to me last week, I spell my name J-A-M-I-E. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Excellent. J-A-M-I-E at misfitstars.com. Uh, we would love to to hear from you. Um, this is... Uh, this is this is the stuff that we like these are the conversations that we kind of live for you know like mm-hmm. this is the stuff that literally saved our lives when you said earlier that that some of some of the growth that you think you've experienced is maybe partially because of aging mm-hmm. I thought to myself well you're aging because you got sober yeah because if you hadn't gotten sober you probably wouldn't I probably would have died you probably would not have grown, grown old yeah <laughs> you know like but this is this is literally the foundation of of everything in our lives that is good. (laughs) And we love talking about it and we love sharing it with people and we love dropping keys and passing it on. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be of service to you or just in conversation with you about any of this, we would love that. Yes, we would. Um, uh, So message us. Uh, Thank you for inviting us into your ear holes for the last little while. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Yeah, no, that's true. Sound going into ear holes. That's where it goes for better Um, or for worse. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back again next week with more. And until then, uh, please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. See you later. See you.